We've actually been doing a relationship series in the PM. If you haven't been, it's been incredible. And we just thought we can't, we can't keep all the fun to the PM service. The AM, the AM deserves a little bit of fun. So are you ready to have a little bit of fun this morning? Not too much. You're not allowed to have too much fun in church. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We're going to have lots of fun. Um, we're going to specifically be speaking about marriage this morning because we really believe uh, here we want to empower strong marriages. Before I get into it, I want to recognise that there's obviously people in this room this morning that have been on the journey of marriage far longer than I have. And there's probably much I could learn from you also. Can I encourage you if I say something and you agree with it, agree with it. Don't just think, I knew that already. (laughs) Uh, Agree with it if you agree with it. I also just want to acknowledge that um, as we talk about relationships, everyone is in a different spot on their journey. There's going to be single people. There's going to be happily married. Yeah, shout out single people. Where are the single people at? Yeah, quickly look around, see the hands. All right, yeah, get a coffee afterwards. Great. Uh, <laughs> there's plenty of excited single people. We've got happily married people. Might be, there's, pro- there's definitely people here this morning who've been through pain in relationship, maybe divorce. Maybe there's people here as well that you're just trying to paddle your boat and keep it afloat. I just want to encourage you wherever you're at, let's just relax this morning. I think God is okay with your journey. God is okay with journey, whatever it looks like. Um, and also this is going to be way more broadly applicable than just to marriage. These are, these are principles that will empower healthy relationships of every kind. Talitha and I just celebrated our 10 year wedding anniversary in January, hit a decade, uh, which is really exciting. We have three kids under five. So our house is very fun, lively, vibrant. Um, there's not a lot of sleep, but we're loving it. It's really great, pray for us. Uh, <laughs> Uh, we got married when we were 20 after dating for two years. But I should add a little thing in here that we had known each other since we were about eight years old, okay? So if you're 20 and you're like, I've known this person three months, I think they're the one. Maybe just, just slow down a little bit. <laughs> it's okay. Um, and I remember about the time that I finished high school, I realised that this friend I had in Talitha, I, I didn't just want to be friends anymore. I thought, hang on, why am I messing around with just being friends? I want more than that. And one of my earliest memories of kind of intentionally engaging that was a night we were going to a friend's house. It was Talitha and I and an, another boy and another girl and we're all just friends. Uh, but we we're going to visit a friend who really prided themselves on being in the know. Like they just wanted to know whatever was going on. And we thought it'd be really funny or someone thought it would be really funny uh, if we pretend pretended like we were now two couples and this person didn't know. We just acted like nothing had happened. Now, I thought this was a silly idea until I realised I get to pretend to be Talitha's boyfriend. And I thought, that's great practice for actually becoming Talitha's boyfriend. So I'm like, great idea. I'll, 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 I'll partner up with Talitha. Um, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll take the bullet and uh, be Talitha's partner. And I remember we get, went in and, you know, it was, it was kind of silliness. It, it was not an accident that I was partnered up with Talitha. I was very intentional about that. And it started a process of me being very intentional in subtle ways. You know, we'd go to dinner and, oh, I'm sitting beside you again. Or going in a friend's car, it's like, I'll take the middle seat in the back. I know, I know, I'm I'm working, you know, it's really difficult. It's a a burden I'm willing to bear. Um, (laughs) But there wasn't any coincidence. It was very, very Intentional. Chances are, uh, if you're in a relationship, there's, there's some form of that might ring true for you as well. 
you know, research actually says we spend 95 to 97% of our life on autopilot. Not making decisions, not really consciously doing things, just walking and breathing. And just speaking about breathing, have you ever thought about breathing? You're thinking about it now, aren't you? And it's actually going to take you a little while to get back to automated breathing now that you're thinking about it. Aren't you, isn't it crazy? If you don't breathe, you die, but we just kind of do it. Um, but I'm going to give you the next five, ten minutes or so to kind of get back to the point where you can consciously um, just stop thinking about breathing. You might have experienced it when you've gone somewhere and you know that you drove there, but you can't really remember how you got there. You're just there and you're like... I I know I came, I know my car is in the car park, but I can't remember what happened between when I left the house and when I arrived here. You know, the kingdom of God is very, very intentional. I think if you just look at the creation story, you see the intentional nature of God. We have day one where God said, let there be light. We have day two where He created the sky, day three where He created plants, all the way through to day seven where it says that God rested. Whether creating or resting, God is very intentional about what He does. This day has this purpose. The Kingdom of God isn't thoughtless. It isn't purposeless. It's not flippant. It's very intentional. So this morning I've called the message Intentionally in Love. And I think we crossed out accidentally. Who knows that song? Throwback to Shrek 2, I believe it was. Accidentally in love. Anyone want to sing along with me? Accidentally. Okay, you can later. Um, You're going to listen to that on the way home. You're going to get your car and be like, hey, Spotify, play my favourite song from Shrek 2. Intentionally in love. The fact is healthy relationships, be that romantic or not, don't just happen by accident. No one has autopiloted themselves into a happy marriage. If you could do that, we would all do that because it would be very easy. It has to be done intentionally. The Bible says marriage is the process of two becoming one, two hearts, two futures, both unique and beautiful and different being merged into one. That does not happen in a moment. Does anyone agree with me? That is a process. At first, it's fantastic. And then you realise, oh, maybe we're a little bit more different than we expected. It's a process that requires intentionality. It's a a lifelong journey. So today, I just want to talk about four kingdom principles that we need to be intentional about in our relationships. Now, can I be clear? We're not talking about perfection this morning. I am not a marriage guru. We have a great marriage. There's always something to work on. And I think healthy marriages and relationships are one that are, con- that are committed to actually putting in the work. The first thing, which sounds so obvious, is to prefer the other. Philippians 2, 3 to 4, actually it's 3 to 11. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships, be one with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to His own advantage. Rather, He made Himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, 
God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everyone say, preach Paul. He is preaching there in his letter to the Philippians. But I think this gives us a glimpse into almost the upside down nature of the Kingdom of God. The world says, if you wanna promote yourself, promote yourself. The kingdom says, if you wanna be lifted up, you must lay yourself down. It says, if you want your needs to be met, you must meet the needs of others, just like Jesus, who even though He was God, decided, I will come as a man, I will come as a servant, I will serve others, and in return, God lifts Him up. This is potentially one of the most foundational parts of marriage but also sometimes one of the most difficult, if we're honest, right? Preferring the other. It becomes, uh, the thing is about love, it's not just a feeling, it's a decision, right? It's not just a feeling, it's a decision. This becomes very evident when it comes to preferring the other. Sometimes, if we're honest, we don't feel like preferring the other. Sometimes we feel like doing what we feel like doing. It should be easy at first, you know, when you're first together and it's like, we'll just get what you want for dinner. And then you just, I don't know what I want. And it's like, well, let's get this. And then like, I don't want that. And you're like, okay, well, <laughs> just get what you want, you know, preferring the other. But over time, it, it becomes more difficult. It looks like I will change that nappy, even though I can see that what's meant to be in the nappy is no longer in the nappy. <laughs> comes, I'll tidy, the, I'll tidy the house before my spouse gets home, even though I'm, I'm really tired and I don't feel like it. It's, it looks like I know my spouse has had a big week, but so I'm going to be intentional with carving out time so we can spend some time together. It often requires sacrifice, sacrificing my right to put myself first, which looks like before I ask myself the question, what's best for me, I actually ask the question, what's best for my spouse? what's best for our marriage. You know, the beauty in Christian marriages is as both people do that, both people's needs are actually met. As I'm putting Talitha before me, and as she's looking to fulfil my needs before she fulfils her needs, we both actually look after each other. It's an amazing picture of the Kingdom of God. As you love God and love people, God looks out for you. He's like, if you focus on meeting the needs of other people, I will meet your needs. It's the same thing in, in a marriage when in balance, you don't miss out when you put your spouse's needs first. Matthew 6.33 puts it like this, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. The issue can become, how do I know what my spouse's needs are? Can anyone agree with me? It would be really nice to just really clearly know exactly what your spouse needed all the time. That would be really good if there was some kind of like TV monitor that sat there and it just really kind of clearly articulated, this is what you need to do now. Which guys could prefer, could benefit from that just a little bit? You know, sometimes boys, we love the boys, but we're a bit slow. <laughs> it takes us a moment to pick up on what we need to. I've realised that sometimes what I perceive the needs are, are not always what they actually are. That's why it leads me to my second thought that, that we need to commit to communicating openly. Healthy relationships thrive on open communication. It's been well said 
that frustration lives in the gap between expectation and reality. Chances are the majority of the frustrations, the majority of the times you felt frustrated, it was because there was a gap between your expectation and what the reality actually was. You thought you were finishing at 5 p.m. on Friday and you were looking forward to finishing at 5 p.m. on Friday. And at 4.30 on Friday, you were starting to dream about what you were gonna do. You're gonna, I'm gonna leave here. I'm gonna go stop past somewhere and get myself something nice. And I'm gonna go home. And then the time's ticking on. And then at 4.49, 4.50, it's, you know, you're getting really excited. And then just as you're about to leave, your boss walks around the corner and goes, overtime? <laughs> Want to stay for an extra 30 minutes? What happened? Our expectation was I'm almost done and then the reality of I'm going to be here for a little bit longer causes us frustration. You drove all the way to McDonald's dreaming of a McFlurry only to find out that the ice cream machine wasn't working. Again, <laughs> do you actually have an ice cream machine in there? <laughs> McDonald's. You thought your partner would take the bins out. You thought you'd get complimented on something nice that you were wearing. You thought that there would be someone super proud of how the lawn looked when you finished mowing it. <laughs> you thought you'd get a quiet night with your spouse, but the kids didn't go to sleep for two or three hours. The frustration of life often lives in the gap between our expectation of how it's, look and the re- of how it's gonna look and the reality of how it actually is. Expectations about love and marriage will have a powerful impact on our relationships. To a large degree, you will be disappointed or happy in life based on how well what is happening matches up with what you think should be happening. So how do we close the gap? How do we close the gap between expectation and reality? Can I encourage you? The answer is not throw your expectations out the window, set them super low, you'll never be disappointed. That is not the answer. Good communication closes the gap between expectation and reality. Can I just take a few moments to talk about what good communication looks like? Good communication starts with listening. Good communication starts with your ears, not with your mouth. Isn't it funny when we think communication, we think I need to get better with words. It's like, no, to get better with your ears. You need to get better at listening. James 1.19 says this, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Who knows, there's nothing more frustrating than when someone just, isn't listening to you. The only thing that's potentially more frustrating is when they say they're listening to you, but they're clearly not. That they're maybe hearing your words, but they're not understanding what you're saying. What we wanna do is, as we're listening to someone, we wanna listen to understand, not listen to judge. If I can put it this way, if while they're speaking, you're thinking about your response, you're not actually listening to what they're saying. If as they're talking to you, you're thinking about the best rebuttal that you've ever had or or whatever it is, you're not actually listening to what they're saying. There's a technique called active listening. I love this. It's the ability to let your partner know that you've understood what they've said by restating what they've just said to them. So they say something and you respond, is this what you're trying to say? I had a, um, because it's sometimes so easy to get wrong. I had a a time recently where I was sitting in some marriage preparation with a couple and we were talking about active listening and we do a little, uh, a little kind of 
uh, I guess, game to test your active listening. And we get them to write a wish list out of what they would like more or less of in the relationship. And then one person has to take a turn of telling the other person what they would like more of in their relationship. And this guy had written down that, that and, he, and he said to his fiancée, he said, I would like it if we could spend more time together with our friends, that would make me feel really happy. And I was like, great. And I turned to her and I said, what, what, what would he like? And she said, he would like to spend more time with his friends because it would make him happy. Now, can you see there's a slight difference in what was said and what was heard? And they, they went back and forth and, and she got him to explain it again. And, and what came out was he said, I, I'm, I just really find myself attracted to you in social situations. I love when we're interacting with our friends together. So, so I would like more of that. And it's like, that's, that's amazing. That's beautiful. And she went from, you want more time with your friends to, oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> Isn't it funny how sometimes we, we can hear what we wanna hear, not what's actually being said. And sometimes we need to take time to clarify, actually, have I heard correctly before we're gonna keep moving on? We also need to be assertive in our communication. Assertiveness is the, the ability to clearly articulate what we want in a relationship. It, it's, it's not assuming that the other person can read my mind. Now, can I just clarify? Assertiveness does not mean being rude, okay? Assertiveness does not mean being a jerk. We all know someone who says, I just tell it how it is. And you're like, no, you're just careless with your words. You're just, you're just rude. I just, I just tell, them, I tell them how I feel, I tell them how it is. I'm a straight shooter, I shoot from the hip. And it's like, well, could you just be kind for once? Assertiveness is not that, but assertiveness is clearly communicating what your desires are. In successful couples, both individuals actually tend to be quite assertive. So the solution is not to lower the bar and have no expectations. It's to kindly and clearly articulate what they are. Can I give us some rapid fire thoughts on communication? Write one of these down if it is. I'm going to go through them quick. As you're talking, give full attention to them when they're talking. Put the phone down, turn the TV off, make eye contact. Number two, if it's a problem for them, it's a problem for you. Have you ever found yourself thinking, this isn't a big deal? But let's, let, let's be fair, if it's a big deal for them, it should be a big deal for you too. Number three, focus on the good qualities in each other and praise each other. It's easy at first, but it's something that we need to stay intentional with. Don't ever find yourself saying, oh, they know that, I've told them that a heap. Make sure that you're actually consistently reaffirming it. Number four, avoid criticism. If you must criticise, balance at least balance with at least one positive comment. Number, I don't know what number we're up to now. Avoid blaming each other and work towards a solution. Attack the problem, not the person. Fight together as a team. When we have an issue, oh, they're up here, that's great. When we have an issue, we're fighting the problem, not the person, okay? Avoid absolutes. Uh, the things like you always or you never. How frustrating is it when you get that said to you? Because uh, all it needs is, is, if someone says, for example, if it was, you never take the bins out. All I need to do is think of one time that I took the bins out and now it's a justice issue and that's in just what you've just said. I know I haven't done it for six months, but one time <laughs> I did it. So we wanna avoid absolutes in our communication. Speak to your partner first, honour them by not talking negatively behind their back. And the final one is seek 
counselling. It's okay to need help. I find it so ironic that in so many of areas of our life, it would be dumb to not get professional help. Like, if I was like, oh, I've got this major electrical issue at home, um, but, I've, but, but I've just got like this mate that I have, he's just gonna have, come have a look at it. He's not an electrician, but you know, he seems to talk a lot about electricity, so I'll just get him to have a look at it. Like, you'd be like, you're insane. Why aren't you getting a professional electrician to fix it? I've got a problem with my car brakes. Um, I'm just gonna tinker with it. You'd be like, what are you doing? That's dangerous. Why is it that when it comes to our relationships, it's like, oh no, there's some kind of stigma around actually getting professional help for the thing that is more important than anything else. It's okay to seek good counsel. Actually, I would encourage you to do it. Much better to get professional advice than some advice from your Uncle Bobby who's had 17 relationships in the past six weeks. It's like, seek professional advice. Yeah, he's, he's, he's cruising Uncle Bobby. <laughs> you know, even with clear communication, there's going to be times where our expectations aren't met. Again, what we're aiming for is not perfection. We're aiming for intentionality. In those times, we really need to determine to be good forgivers. I, I, I love how Jesus talks about forgiveness, where he's like, basically, my forgiveness for you is so important and your forgiveness of other people is so important that you need to forgive other people if you want me to forgive you. Forgiveness is so important. I have a friend and he says, our family is good forgivers because we have plenty of practice. I think forgiveness is a little bit like that. Want to have a healthy relationship that's built on love. It's not just about getting flowers and romantic gestures. Actually, relationships that are built on love are actually built on a foundation of forgiveness. Proverbs 17.9 says, Love prospers when a fault is forgiven, but dwelling on it separates close friends. Now, I should say, forgiveness is not saying what was done is okay. Forgiveness is not giving it permission to happen again. It's not belittling the issue and saying that it wasn't painful. That's not what forgiveness is. What forgiveness is, is I'm letting go of my right for revenge. I'm letting go of my right to hold onto that and hold against you. I'm letting go of negative thinking. I'm letting go of negative feelings so that I can be free from resentment and free from negative thoughts. A practical way to do that is, to not take today's problems into tomorrow. You know, there's that scripture where it's about don't let the sun go down on your anger and you could argue about how literally it's saying that. In our marriage, we've taken that quite literally where it's like, we will be okay with each other today. And I used to find this frustrating about Talitha and now I really appreciate it. If we'd ever had a disagreement um, before bed, she would not let me go to sleep. <laughs> I, would, I would be lying, but she wouldn't say it, but <laughs> I'd be lying in bed and she'd just, you know, start being like, <coughs> or she'd like just roll around a lot and tussle and turn. So I couldn't get to sleep. But it was because we didn't want to go to bed angry because who knows if you go to bed angry, you usually wake up feeling worse. I don't know anyone who's like, I'm so angry, I'm just going to sleep it off. Oh, no, I'm good now. It's like things like that don't seem to work. In that, we might not have fixed the problem. We might not have come to a solution, but we know that we're okay with one another, that we're secure, we're okay before we go to bed as much as possible. Um, again, assertiveness is I'm not just gonna sweep things under the rug. If I'm not happy about something, let's talk about it. Because the, smart, the small things pile up into a big thing. It's better to deal with it today. All of this, I really believe, 
is empowered by intentionally keeping Jesus at the centre. This could be the most important thing of all. So far in our 10 years of marriage, I would say this is the number one thing that's helped us have a healthy marriage is keeping Jesus at the centre. What I love about Christian relationships is as we move towards God together, we actually come closer together. The more I press into my relationship with God and the more Talitha presses into her relationship with God, it's like the closer we come to one another. And when we fight, we're able to run to God with it rather than running into each other and clashing and and butting heads. So I encourage you, pray together, pray for each other, involve God in your decision-making, maybe even be sharing key thoughts from your journaling because God wants your relationships to prosper. Do you believe that? God wants your relationships to be healthy. And I think that as we embody kingdom living, in our relationships, it's key for us experiencing the health and the beauty of relationships that God intended us to have. Healthy relationships, to summarise, take intentionality. We need to be intentional about kingdom living in our relationships by preferring the other, by communicating openly, by being good forgivers and by keeping Jesus at the centre. Would you stand with me maybe as I just ask some questions to help us apply this? Maybe just close our eyes, just be thinking over your relationships. And would you just ask yourself, is there any area where unclear expectations are causing frustration? If if you're experiencing frustration in relationship, is it because the expectations aren't clear? Maybe it's time to clarify some of those expectations. When I'm speaking, am I thinking about understanding or replying? When I'm speaking, am I thinking about understanding what they're saying or how I'm gonna respond? the next conversation you have, maybe even in the foyer in a moment, pay attention to what's going on in your head as you're talking to someone. Are you thinking about understanding or being interested in what they're saying? Or are you thinking about how you're gonna reply? Or worse, how you're gonna make the conversation about you? Please, don't do that. Are you listening to understand because you're interested or because you're busy planning your response? Is there someone I need to forgive? Talk about forgiveness. Is there somewhere that someone's caused you pain and it's actually affecting you more than it's affecting them? Could I encourage you? Maybe it's time to make a decision to forgive. You probably never feel like forgiving. It's a decision that you need to make that I'm not gonna hold that against that person. I'm gonna let go of my right to get even because I wanna forgive. Is there something I need to seek forgiveness for? Maybe if we've spoke about some, as we've spoke about stuff this morning, maybe you felt a little bit convicted about somewhere that maybe you didn't get it right. Is there something that you need to seek forgiveness for? Finally, how am I being intentional about keeping Jesus at the centre? Married people, just thinking about your marriage, how are you being intentional 
about keeping Jesus at the centre? Am I being intentional about keeping Jesus at the centre? Do we pray about things before we make big decisions? Do we speak to each other about our relationship with God? Do we pray together? How are you being intentional about keeping Jesus at the centre? God, we thank You that in You, we have the perfect model for a relationship. That the way that You care about us, the way that You forgive us, the way that You prefer us. God, we, we pray that You would help us to reflect that into the relationships around us. God, I pray that maybe where people are in pain in relationship, God, I thank You that You're a healing God. You're a God that brings reconciliation. And God, I pray that You would inspire us, inspire us into living like You created us to live in relationship with one another. In Jesus' Name, Amen. And just with our eyes closed for one more moment, obviously we've been speaking really specific about marriage today. As I just said, God is a relational God. He cares so deeply about you. What He wants from you is not your religion. He wants relationship with you. And maybe you're here and you've never made an intentional decision to step into relationship with God, to, to go on a journey of following Jesus. I'd just like to give you an opportunity to do that this morning. If you're at the point where you're like, the next step for me is actually to intentionally decide that I wanna go on a journey of following Jesus. I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that. I'd love to pray for you. I'm not gonna embarrass you or call you out, but right where you're standing, if that's you, could you just shoot your hand up so know who we're praying for. Just like look across here. You're like, that's me, my next step. Make an intention. Yep, there it is. Awesome, great. See that, that's so good. You're like, my next step is to make an intentional decision to go on a journey of following Jesus. Just so I look across here one more time. Great. Well, Jesus, we pray for our friends that are responding to You. We thank You that You love them, that You care for them. God, I pray that as they're stepping in, intentionally stepping into relationship with You, that experience Your, your peace, that experience hope, that they'd walk out of here knowing that there's a better tomorrow with You. In Jesus' Name, Amen.